Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey guys, we've received lots of questions in the Facebook group about choosing a career or changing from one industry to another. Whether you should, how to do it, and when is the right time? So, we've gone to the market, we've found the experts, and we have a series of industry spotlights to help you make this game-changing decision. Who doesn't love a good bonus app? Welcome to My Millennial Career. My name is Shelley. I'm a HR professional. Hey, Em. Hey, Shell. I'm Emily and I work for a business called Forsyth Recruitment and HR and I know all things to do with recruitment and customer experience. All things. Every single Every one of them. Every little thing. I've peaked at 30. You've peaked at th- Well, okay. Good times. Today on the show, we have a very special guest, Jay Bolton. Jay, welcome. Thank you very much. Hey, Thanks Jay. for having me. Pleasure. It's so nice to have you with us well actually we're kind of with you because we're in your office so we are in the office of C Business Solutions and Jay is the managing director and today we are talking about getting into the construction industry. Yeah so a little bit of a bonus ep we're going to do a deep dive with someone who knows this industry well so perhaps if you're looking at a career change or maybe you're looking at moving jobs so you might even be wondering is it the right time to move what is the industry doing? Uh, Or perhaps even if you're somebody who's still deciding what to do with yourself, this could be a good way to just learn a little bit more about the construction industry and and how it might fit you. For those who haven't heard from you before, Jay, can you just tell us a bit of your background? Yeah, cool. Um, So we started C seven years ago and um, saw there was a real need for education in the building industry. But um, yeah, so that that took off and it's going really well. But I was originally in manufacturing for the building industry. So that's how I got exposed to it. Yeah. So 11 and a half years working for a company called WeatherTex and then saw the need there and then seven years here at sea. And way back when, did you always know that you wanted to be in this world? Never, actually. So I was just a typical meathead footballer trying to aspire (laughs) to reach first grade like every, you know, kid, I guess, you know, going through their footy career. But um, then I realised that, hey, this doesn't last forever and took on a job, customer service of all things. And it was the side gig to my football career. And then all of a sudden it became, you know, the footy, as footy, you know, slows down or eventually dies off, um, it becomes more about business and and your career, you know, as an employee. But um, yeah, it, it, it evolved and I went from customer service through to eventually a national manager of that business and then transitioned into my own business. And along the way, have you collected any qualifications or done any training that's been industry specific to get you these jobs? Uh, it's, it's interesting. No. Um, so I've done my MBA. So I, I did that probably uh, nine years ago now. And um, it was great just from, a, from a, a learning education point of view. But a lot of the things you do learn... Um, you can apply anywhere. But I think the biggest thing was really understanding the the industry and understanding the real, you know, positives and negatives within the industry and then applying 
some of the skills that you have through football, like as in team and um, working together and extracting uh, value and pushing people, I guess, a little bit when I say pushing in a good way. But um, yeah, just using those skills and transitioning them across to the building industry. And when you talk about, Jay, the positives and negatives that you see in the industry, can you tell us what your thoughts are on some of those things? Yeah, so it's an industry that you can achieve a lot, you know, if you do it well. And what I mean by that is there's very, there's a lot of successful builders out there. Um, There's a lot of failing builders as well. And what I mean by that is, so I started this business because 1,100 and uh, 13 builders went broke in 2011, just in New South Wales alone. Wow. So I saw a real need for 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 it to be fixed or, or looked at, and and it was a lot around not whether you could build, it was whether you could actually run a business. Right. So that that was something that you know I you know, started the business part of building. That's our slogan for for C Business Solutions, and um, yeah, so so that can be really painful. We've seen people reach out to us that are you know, negative $4 million and the anxiety and the stresses and everything that goes with it. But then the satisfaction for us is to turn that around and turn them into a very successful business. That's really fulfilling for me. Just the difference is education and nurturing. So there's, you know, one example where they've gone from a very big negative to a very big positive. And I suppose my question to you is, do you see lots of people who they've come up, say, through their apprenticeship, they're very much on the tools and they kind of progress into business ownership and and running their own business but don't have necessarily those types of skills that are that and they're very different skills I suppose being on the tools versus how do you actually lead and manage your own business yeah so let's stereotype for for a little bit um you know year 10 I don't want to do my HSC I want to go get a trade they become a a chippy or an apprentice and then eventually build up to be a carpenter and then eventually, hey, I wouldn't mind becoming a builder. So none of that really is around running a business. It's mostly around how to swing a hammer or even if it's pouring concrete or whatever it may be, you know, it's all around the labour side of things. So I, I look at it and go, well, they're improving, which is good. However, it needs to prove a lot because it's mostly around you know, the bookkeeping, the scheduling, you know, the workflow, managing people. And it's very, very different to doing your apprenticeship to eventually running a business. You mentioned that 2011 was a particularly tough time for the industry by the sounds of it. What's happening right now in this, well, what would we call it, the construction industry? Would that be fair? Yeah, yeah. So last year, 500 builders went broke in New South Wales. So half as much, however, still significantly high. And this year will be very, very interesting. The one, you know, lucky component is it's, it's deemed an essential service. And if, when this was kicking into gear, we had to be an educator and, and really support our, our members or our clients. And what we looked at was overseas and we wanted to see what was happening in other countries, what was happening in construction. And the the reassuring part was that it continued or majority of places continued. So it was good. And it's probably one of the more safer industries to be in at this point in time during coronavirus, just purely because of uh, it's allowed to keep on going. Do you have any prediction for the future? So for example, if I was just starting my career or I'm, as I say, considering that career change after five to 10 years doing something else, and I'm thinking I would like something that's secure not only now but into the future, what would be your advice? Would it be a recommendation that I do make that move? I, I like the, the construction industry purely because it's about supply and demand 
And I'm a big fan of using that because at the end of the day, if there's huge demand, it needs supply. And, you know, Australia's pretty young and, you know, we're growing at a rapid rate and more people, you know, coming from overseas as well as our, our growth rate um, just internally in Australia is, is quite good. So therefore, people need homes. There's a definite shortage. And so therefore, it's going to always be in demand. So we need more people in, in all areas of building and therefore that creates security. It's interesting in terms of we, we were talking even just as we were chatting before this episode about how in different industries, uh, employers want different things. So maybe what you're uh, looking for in say a not-for-profit versus a corporate versus say the construction industry may look very different. What do you see? So, so say one of our listeners, they're wanting to really succeed in this industry. What are some of the business owners and employers actually looking for on their team? Yeah, so so you know, we get plenty of phone calls and, hey, do you know what a good apprentice or a good carpenter or I need a leading hand, whatever it may be. And the biggest thing that we all talk about is somebody who who just gets it. And, and so that's hard to find. Um, but if they don't, you know, 100% fulfill that role, they're just looking for someone with a good attitude. And, and I'm a big believer of that. I'll hire somebody who applies effort and has a good attitude before skills any day of the week, because, you know, you can have all the skills in the world, but if you can't get out of bed, then they're useless. So, so that's the sort of thing that we look for. The mature age apprentice is actually really appealing because they've probably, you know, been through a bit of a journey before they become an apprentice or start working. So, therefore, it means that they've, you know, got rid of some of their baggage or, or some of their weaknesses, and that's been, you know, sort of an opportunity. Like I, I remember, sorry, uh, my first job. I was seventeen, so I was a footballer. I was in, uh, I was fourteen. I was getting paid to play football. That's all I did. So. My first job at 17, I got the sack within a month and it was just purely because I had no idea what I was doing. And so there's a lot of people out there that don't have that history of working. So when you're a mature age apprentice, it means you've you've had some exposure, you've learned how to listen, you've learned what not to do sometimes and what to do. And that's where I like the mature age apprentice as long as they come with a good attitude. Uh, they'll always excel to the top. And so let's dig into that because um, I'm keen to know what does – uh, for you, if you're hiring or you're helping um, people, your clients to hire, what do you define as a good attitude? What does it actually look you like? You just read my mind. <laughs> I was just going, I think even this word, have they got it? Do they get it? I'm like, what is it? And that's such a hard because, question. And because it is intangible, right? Yes. Like when we see those people that we, we want to work with, there's, there's, it's almost like they've got a vibe, they've got this energy. But how, how? what are the types of things you're hearing or you're listening for in, a, say, an interview or in a conversation uh, with someone that you're wanting to put on? Yeah, so I like to test a, a fair bit and, you know, simple things like turning up on time. And one of my little sayings, I don't use it too frequently, but you're either disrespectful or disorganized if you don't turn up on time. So right. it's one of the two. And so if someone can't turn up on time, you know, that's that's straight away it's either disrespectful or disorganized. So therefore, do we really want to employ that person? Um, and so that's that's one thing that I think is just a discipline that never should be, you know, never be lost. Additionally to that is, you know, would they do extra work without sort of going, oh, that's an extra five minutes, you know, so going above and beyond because we're in a we're in a um, an environment where you just need to rip in and COVID, like it's one of those things where you kind of grab your team and go, look, guys, I'll support you 100%, but I just need you to support me as much as possible throughout this journey. So together we're in it. So rather than being transactional or rather than the nine to five, somebody just is more about outcomes. 
Yes, yeah, so, so good. So that's what I'm big on, outcomes rather than time. This is like my fave conversation, M notes, because I really can't stand entitlements-driven employees, like where it's all rights-based or very much kind of hour-for-hour mentality. One-sided and black and white, Yeah. And so I love that what you're talking about attitude and it's kind of more important than those hard skills. Sometimes we emphasize those over actually how do you show up to work? What's the initiative? What's the drive? Are you a team player? Which I think you've obviously had a lot of experience in of identifying how someone is actually a team player. What do they contribute rather than just being an individual? Do you find in the industry where you're seeing those high-performing teams, what are there anything that that to you stands out? What is what makes that high performing team in in building or in construction? Mm. This is probably one of my most favourite sayings: is activity creates opportunity. And um, some people, here, here. <laughs> some people wait for the opportunity, then get active. Well, it's too late, or the, the opportunity never comes because they're not active. So I like our team to be super active. So whether it's in innovation, whether it's you know whatever ideas, whether it's just doing things that you normally wouldn't do it creates opportunity and then you know when the opportunity comes you get active in it about implementing that and going you know pushing it and making it work uh, for us here on a Tuesday we we made the sacrifice where we solely work on our business on a Tuesday so in theory that's 20% worth of wow. productivity gone whereas we now go hang on a sec what could that bring and already it's paying off because we can work on not only our internal procedures, but we can start to innovate and then apply that in other businesses. So therefore they see the fruits of our labor. That's great. I love that. That is an investment, that 20%, but definitely creates that pipeline of, of leads, of opportunities in the future. So I love that. If I'm listening and I'm starting to go, this sounds pretty good. I think I want to be a part of this. What would be the best way or what would be you know some top tips that you can give us to get started so how do I get that first job what's the activity I need to start doing in order to set myself up for success yeah so let's combine activity and effort so if someone came to me and said how do I apply for apprenticeship you know great HIA MBA they do all those sorts of things whereas if someone came to me and said hey I love what you do can I just work in your business for a month and just give it a go and see what it's like. I'm willing to you know, do whatever you need to do. Well, straight away, I'm like, yep, you're in. And the reason being is effort, attitude, keenness, willingness to learn. I actually employed somebody. I was having a, a coffee at the locale. It was called back then. And this waiter was, was constantly serving well, you know, over a period of time. I said, do you want a job? He's like, yeah, I want a job, you know. And it was interesting because he's somebody that was just learning totally out of the blue, didn't, you know, meet all the requirements of the industry, but he was just somebody that was like, yeah, I'll give it a go. Now he's one of our best performers just from meeting me in a cafe and saying, hey, do you want a job? So, yeah, I'm a big fan of interviewing every day and the people around you and just if you see good people, you know, ask good questions. So on the other side, be a good person, apply good energy, you know, present well, communicate well, do all those sorts of things and you'll land in a good job. I'm obsessed with all of this from both perspectives and Shelley would say that is gold. That is gold. There's yeah. so much <laughs> in there that is gold and particularly because, uh, you know, look, I could talk for days about why I love that from an employer point of view uh, but if we focus on the employee version um, of this story, for me, this is, you know, the hidden job market, which I harp on about yes. all the time. But we also find, Jay, that we're constantly being asked, how do I break the cycle of 
I can't get experience without experience. And you're just proving to us that there are so many ways to go about that. And again, it comes back to these intangibles. It doesn't matter if you don't have the skills. It doesn't matter if you uh, haven't got that apprenticeship yet or that qualification. But at the same time, you can't expect to just sit back and wait for it to still come to you. You have to find other ways to put yourself out there, put the effort in, get the activity going uh, and that basically trumps the the lack of skills that you might have from a um, technical sense. And even talking through that, what you tell us, Em, of career self-reliance. So taking the initiative to come to, say, a Jay or another business owner in the industry and say, could I just come and join your team for a month? I'm paid. I'm happy to do whatever. And then you're showing that initiative. You get those opportunities that you wouldn't otherwise get just submitting a resume through seek. I'm often, or we're often asked rather, um, Jay, and I'm often trying to sort of come up with what is the best way to capture the answer to the question I'm about to ask you. And that is, if someone reached out to you, say on LinkedIn, or they did reach out to you somewhat cold, and really what they were looking to do was perhaps have a coffee with you, pick your brain, um, because ultimately they want to get a job out of it, or they want to walk away with some knowledge. What would be the approach that would work for you? Yeah, this is interesting because I'm a huge fan of LinkedIn and I'm a bit of a, uh, a, a critic, I guess you could say, how LinkedIn's used. But um, so firstly, if you reach out, connect with someone and reach out to them, it's to their agenda, not yours. So yeah. I'm actually a bigger fan of connecting with no agenda, build a relationship, you know, tune in, listen to what they're saying, you know, um, communicate, join in in the com- conversation, then there's a point where you've earned the right to say, hey, I've been watching you, I've been listening, I've been loving what you're doing, hey, can I catch up with you at some point or I have an idea versus the connection, the question, well, guess what, you get the disconnect from me pretty much straight away if you're just going straight in within a question. So I think it's about relationship and and appreciating the time and effort to go into that versus, hey, can I just ask you a question and I want to chew your brains and thanks, have a great day. Makes so much sense. I often when I'm writing an email or a LinkedIn message, I try and picture myself in the room with that person and I think, what would I do if I was having the verbal conversation? And I wouldn't just walk in here and say, hey, Jay, haven't met you before. You know nothing about me, but I'd like to, you know, borrow all your knowledge, please, when you're free. What I would do is I would come in, I would find some way to compliment your office space because it's so cool. It is Um, so cool. (laughs) I want to work here. I know, I know. I would then, you know, just be making that small talk, so to speak, to build rapport. Uh, If we flash back to when I first met you, you then said to me, oh, I feel like I know you. You like my stuff on LinkedIn every now and then. So I've been doing my groundwork before I rocked up. There's Uh, a question coming on LinkedIn. (laughs) Next week. You're getting this, yeah, straight up. Totally. But um, yeah, I think there's, I love what you've just said because you've, you've got to do that groundwork, build that rapport just like you would if you were face-to-face with someone. You're not going to jump in for the kill straight away. And you're taking someone from being a cold lead almost to warm. So it's that thing of how do you build the relationship and you can do it online. And familiarity, people like as humans, we are so much more responsive to familiarity regardless of whether it's another human or something else. That's it. So on LinkedIn, and I do love your LinkedIn presence, I always love your videos, you wrote a blog a while back about how we can attract more women to construction. And obviously, it's quite a male-dominated industry. And you you made this comment, which was really cool, Jay, about 
how what you've seen in the industry is it can be kind of like a boys club vibe and there's a need to break down that culture. What changes do you see um, that need to occur to enable that? Mm. Um, so firstly, when I hire someone, I don't see anything but attitude and then maybe skills and a few other things. So I think we nearly need to remove the focus on gender, race, whatever it may be, because it's all about the individual and how they can benefit, you can benefit, those sorts of things. So I think that's a big thing for starters, but also I think it's more a society thing because, you know, people in construction are actually really warming to the fact that, you know, women can provide a lot of value and whether that's on site, whether that's scheduling, that's coordinating quite a, whatever it may be in construction. So I think the big change would be more a case of, yeah, construction's okay with this. So therefore people, you know, parents in, embrace that your daughter can work in the construction industry and do really well, if not make way more money than what you can in other roles in, in, in society. So, so money's one thing, then the protection of what is perceived that could be a tough and rough sort of environment. Well, you know what, that's changed a lot too. You know, yeah, we've got some, some blokey blokes, but we've got some really cool guys who want to see people do well and care for the people around them. So I think just changing that sort of thinking outside the industry will have an influence in the industry and it's something that I embrace because you know for a while there I think we were three quarters female um, compared to blokes and now it's roughly 50-50 but as I said that's just coincidental I don't look at gender in any way so yeah I'd love to see more women in construction because they offer really good value. That's so good even the role of parents like I remember when this is like feels like a really long time ago but in year 10 I remember saying to my mum and dad I think I wouldn't mind being an electrician. Like, I could do that. And I remember the, the general sense is you will be t- terrible at that. And it probably was true. I was about to say, was that to do with you being a female or? <laughs> but also, like, I do wonder what those norms, how those norms influence us. But I love what you're saying that um, externally things need to shift in order to see the industry get to a more kind of level playing field. All right, final question, which we like to finish on for these uh, bonus episodes, bonus industry episodes, is uh, we're interested to know, is there any common misconception about the construction industry that you would like to, uh, I guess, raise and then bust that myth? Yeah, so a lot of people feel that a good builder is a good business person. And there can be plenty of builders that are great business people, but there's a lot that aren't. And it's simply just because, you know, skills don't transition into management and transition into sort of business understanding. If anything, the ones that don't have the building skills tend to be actually better business people just because they're not hanging onto something so tightly. You know, for example, back when I was doing my MBA, they actually said, don't specialize in any of these skills because you'll gravitate towards it. And if you gravitate towards that skill, then everything else becomes a weakness. So similar with building, if you're just focusing on your skill well, guess what? Well, your sales, your marketing, your workflow, your systems, you know, your nurturing of team all of a sudden starts to get let down. And that's a greater part of running a, a, a building business. And perhaps if you're not technically the best builder, then you're more inclined to make sure that you're employing people who are better than you at that. They, they're actually technically better than you. You can then have the trust and the confidence that while you focus on running the business, they're getting the job done. Heck yeah. Yeah. Uh, employ everybody that's better than you because otherwise you'll only be as good as yourourself and usually that's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's true in my case. What a nice place to end. <laughs> so good. And 
Thank you so much, Jay, for coming on the show again with us today. We love hanging out. How can we find more out about C Business Solutions? Yeah, so probably best to Google it if we're doing all our digital marketing well, um, C Business Solutions, and yeah, we should pop up, but uh, otherwise there's all the different areas that we help out with, whether it be insurance or marketing and workflow and coaching, whatever, so you'll find us somehow. And LinkedIn. I was about to say, not to mention LinkedIn. Jay Bolton. Yeah. Look him up, but... Don't go in too hard with the questions straight Start away. With the likes, the comments, <laughs> warm it up. Nice. Hey, thanks for hanging out. Thank you. Appreciate thanks, it. Jay. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.